Welcome to TLD Talks, where we share insights about key legal and business matters that are impacting SMEs today. Bringing together experts from a range of backgrounds, we'll be tackling the issues that matter to you. I'm Ed Simpson, CEO of The Legal Director, and I'm joined on today's podcast by Paul Marsh of Arch Law. And we're going to be having a chat about what you can do if your customers aren't paying your invoices. Welcome, Paul. Hello, Ed. So for the benefit of our listeners, Paul, could I ask you to introduce yourself, please, and your practice at Arch Law? Yes, my name is Paul Marsh. I am a recoveries lawyer at Arch Law, which means that I specialise in recovering commercial debts for our commercial clients. I also act for insolvency practitioners dealing with those companies that unfortunately have succumbed to financial pressure. Thank you. So today we're going to be talking about debt recovery, ways to ensure that you get paid by your clients and customers, and some of the considerations for you and your business if that's not happening. We're going to focus on situations where a debt is not disputed, so there's no question of work not having been done properly or products that aren't fit for purpose. Can we start, Paul, by looking at credit control in general? If a client came to you and asked for help with designing or improving their credit control process, what do you think would be the critical elements? I think a critical element is to be aware that at the moment we are seeing unprecedented pressures on companies and their ability to pay. It's almost a perfect storm. There's inflationary pressure, huge increases in energy costs. A lot of the protection that was wrapped around companies during the pandemic has been withdrawn. And that leads to another consideration, which is that during the years of the pandemic, the number of businesses going into insolvency was practically nil. So there's an awful lot of businesses out there which, in the normal course of events, would have gone into insolvency, but are still out there. We call them zombie companies. Not many businesses became better as a result of the pandemic. We know that HMRC, who during the pandemic took no real steps to collect outstanding tax, are now taking a much more aggressive stance, as are banks and landlords, who again during the pandemic were reined in. So all of a sudden, you see these huge pressures being imposed upon businesses. And businesses under pressure very often have to decide who they're going to pay and who they're not going to pay. And so the art of credit control is understanding the market you're in, the sectors you're dealing with, understanding which sectors are under more pressure than others, and acting accordingly. And very often the the first rule of the jungle when it comes to credit control is whoever shouts loudest gets paid first. And so you need to be on top of it. You need to ensure that when you see that trend, which shows that you potentially have an account which will cause you trouble, you need to take action. Because if you don't, there's a very good chance you're not going to get paid. Something I've heard all too often, really, both from clients of the legal director, but also from lawyers within the legal director who are faced with clients who are dragging their feet over payment is... I don't really want to get aggressive with the client because it's a really good relationship and I don't want to upset that. What would your response be to somebody that said that to you? My response would be that relationships are an extremely sharp double-edged sword. 
we all know that good, long-term, fruitful business relationships are underpinned by good personal relationships. However, personal relationships can very often be a barrier to getting paid. For the very reason you've said, Ed, you don't want to take action against somebody who you consider to be a friend. However, what you have to ensure you do is you have to recognize that if the personal relationship is starting to compromise the integrity of the business relationship, you need to act. You need to act quickly. The other thing that I would say is that very often businesses look at their client base and say, well, that's a blue chip client. You know, they're too big to fail. Well, I'm sorry, big companies do fail. Carillion failed. And when it failed, it took down with it an awful lot of businesses. Cash is king. Cash is the lifeblood of any business. And you need to take whatever steps you can, whether your clients are big, small, whether they're your friends or not necessarily your friends. You need to ensure that that cash keeps flowing, because if it doesn't, it has significant impacts upon your business. It impacts upon your ability to invest in your business. It impacts upon your requirement for funding. You may have to borrow money to plug cash flow gaps. And in the worst case scenario, it may potentially have a detrimental or even fatal impact upon your ability to continue to trade. That last point is one that I want to come back to later on in the podcast. So those impacts on your own business of customers and clients not paying you. But if we come back to the credit control, as you said, it requires at some point a difficult conversation to be had. What does that actually mean? And at what point would you recommend that a business escalates to to Arch Law, for instance, to help them with their debt collection? One thing I would recommend that most businesses do is invest in a credit reporting tool. These things are very cheap. They will give you reports on a daily basis as to all the companies you're dealing with. will show you their credit worthiness, whether there's any adverse impact upon that business, such as the resignation of a director or a county court judgment. If you're dealing with a client who is on that downward trend in terms of credit worthiness, then you really need to consider shortening credit terms. If you're dealing with a company that you're worried about and they can't pay or won't pay, then you have to escalate it because the reality is if they're not paying you, they're paying somebody else, they prioritize somebody else or they've got cash flow problems. You need to ensure that their priority is paying you. And in those circumstances, you need to escalate it to a solicitor. And often that can be a good thing because If what's holding you back is that personal relationship, you don't want to have those difficult conversations with somebody who you consider to be a friend, then putting the buffer of a solicitor between you and your debtor is a good way of managing that. And most people who don't pay feel under pressure. It's not going to be a surprise to them that matters have been escalated. In fact, they probably sat there thinking, why is it taking you so long? Great. So a client has listened to your advice. They've come to you and said, Paul, I've got this customer, these customers that aren't paying. What tools are available to that business? What tools are you able to wield to force the debtor to pay? We take quite a robust approach in the way that we deal with undisputed debt, unless, of course, we're asked by the client not to be so robust. But our general position is if we are instructed to collect a debt 
on the same day, the debtor gets a communication from us, invariably by email, advising them that we're going to take proceedings, which potentially could be insolvency proceedings, and we claim costs and compensation and interest under the Late Payment of Commercial Debts Interest Act 1998. And that's a useful mechanism, because if you are got a commercial debt due to you and you are also a business, then that piece of legislation enables you to recover your reasonable legal cost of collection from the debtor. So if it's dealt with properly, your debt collection is actually risk-free and cost-free. If we collect a debt, we also collect our costs. As a result, it's at no cost to our clients. And because we're threatening insolvency proceedings, what we're saying is if you don't pay, we will make a presumption that you're insolvent and we will issue a winding up petition or a bankruptcy petition. Now, if a company faced with that threat doesn't pay, it's because they can't pay. If they can pay, they will pay. That's a really interesting approach, Paul, and one I think that will be of of great interest to listeners, that idea of effectively a a risk-free way of using a solicitor like yourself to collect their debts. So assume that you have made that approach to the debtor, it's still refusing to pay or saying it can't pay. What do you then do to escalate things again? In those circumstances, we pursue an insolvency remedy, whether it be an insolvency uh, winding up petition or a bankruptcy petition. The interesting thing about debt collection is it's all about escalation and everybody has a breaking point and you know, very few clients pay straight away. I have a few clients who pay straight away and they're great. Lots of clients will pay on the invoice terms. When you get a solicitor involved, you escalate matters. When you threaten to wind up a business, you escalate matters even more. If you issue a winding up petition, you're basically saying to that company, that unless you pay in seven days time, I'm going to advertise the existence of this winding up petition and your bank account is going to be frozen. So this really is the last chance saloon for you to pay. If you don't pay now, you're looking at the end of your business. The way it breaks down is that an awful lot of people pay when they get the letter, probably around about 70 to 80 percent. And once we issue a petition, invariably the rest pay. Of the number of petitions we issue, oh, I'd say we have to take things to a winding up order in only around about 2% of cases, the rest result in payments. Interesting. So are you using a statutory demand as part of your process there? When we're dealing with a debt due from a individual, a sole trader or a partnership, then we will need to use a statutory demand. That is a necessary prerequisite. Where you're dealing with a company, you can use a statutory demand, but you don't need to. And our preferred way forward is not to. The reason why is that if you serve a statutory demand, your hands are tied for 21 days, you can't do anything else. And the insolvency legislation doesn't require you to serve a statutory demand. All it requires you to do is to prove to the satisfaction of the court that the company you're dealing with is insolvent. If we make a demand and the company doesn't pay, the inference is it's unable to pay and therefore a company that is unable to pay its debts is by definition insolvent. And so very often we can send a letter before action giving anything from three to seven days, failing which we'll issue a petition and invariably we get a response. So I noticed, Paul, that you've not talked at all about 
going to court, so suing for the unpaid debt. Obviously, that's a, a slightly different route, and it's one that has its own hoops that need to be jumped through. Can you just sort of talk about why you don't think that's the best approach? If you have got a debt which is disputed, you have no option other than to go down the high court or county court route, end up in front of a judge who will make an arbitration. If you have got what you consider to be an undisputed debt, then if you go down the court route, a few things will happen. First of all, you lodge your claim. You wait for the court to issue it, which can take some time because the court has got a backlog. The proceedings have then got to be served upon your opponent. They have 14 days to acknowledge those proceedings. If they acknowledge those proceedings indicating an intention to defend, they've got another 14 days in which to file a defence. If they file a defence which shows that there isn't a valid defence, then it's incumbent upon you to then make a further application to the court for what's called summary judgment. This process can take months and it is expensive. If you're dealing with somebody who hasn't got a defence to the claim, a company which is prima facie insolvent because they won't pay, then accelerate the process. Send a letter saying within seven days, if you haven't paid, we're going to issue a winding up petition. And you truncate that court process significantly. And if you're dealing with a company that's got pressure and they know, I don't need to deal with this for 14 days until I file a defence, and then I've got another 14 days, and then I can keep kicking it into the long grass. Just think about the number of people who are going to be paid during that period when you're not being paid, because there's nothing really more you can do. Insolvency proceedings, if they're appropriate, are a fast track remedy. I call it the nuclear button. You either pay or your company's wound up. And faced with that dilemma, a director who can pay will pay. And just digging into the detail of that procedure. So you've um, sent your letter for action giving them seven days to pay up. What's the process for actually issuing the petition? Is there a fee to be paid at that point? Yes, there is. If you want to issue a petition, then there are court fees, an official receiver's deposit. You'll need to arrange for the petition to be served at the registered office, and the petition will also have to be registered at the Gazette and advertised. So the disbursements, the court fees and other expenses, come in around about £1,600 which is not a small sum of money. But what I would say is the vast majority of cases never get to that point. But even if they do, that's a good investment because at that point, if you don't press the button, having threatened to press the button, if you don't, you'll never get paid. If you issue the petition, there's a good chance you will be paid. But even if you're not paid, those costs associated with issuing the petition are a first charge on the assets of the company. So if the company has any money at all, those fees will be repaid. Can we look at this from a slightly different angle? And it's something that we alluded to earlier on. Up to now, we've been focused on the client that's not paying because it's in financial difficulties. But of course, their failure to pay might be putting pressure on your business, which is what you mentioned earlier. So What steps should business owners, directors be taking to protect their business and themselves? That's a really good question, Ed. And it's something that directors should address themselves to. Every business that I've ever seen that went into insolvency ran out of cash. And lots of really good businesses go 
bust every day because they run out of cash. Good, profitable businesses, they just run out of cash. And so you should never think that you're immune to this problem simply because you have what you consider to be a good business with a good order book, blue chip clients. If you run out of cash, that can be fatal. My advice to directors who feel as if they could be in that position is to act as quickly as you possibly can by taking professional advice. Like all problems, the sooner they are confronted, the better the outcome. And there are lots of mechanisms out there which can help companies that are struggling with cash flow to come through to the other end. And that may not be a formal insolvency process at all. It may be an informal insolvency process. It may be using a professional to identify other sources of funding. But the quicker you act, the better the outcome. And that is a promise, an absolute promise I can make. I see so many businesses that I look at and think, oh, if only I'd have seen this business six months ago, we could have saved it. People would have kept their jobs. The business would have been able to come through the other end. It's critically important that you act as quickly as you can, not only for the sake of the business, but also for the sake of the director. There's this concept of limited liability. Well, limited liability exists for shareholders. It does not exist for directors. Directors have never been more exposed personally now than they ever have been before. And there are two reasons for that. The first is in the Insolvency Act, there's a provision called Section 212, which allows an insolvency practitioner, a liquidator, or administrator to bring proceedings against a director who they believe has been, the phrase is misfeasance, i.e. guilty of wrongful conduct whilst acting as a director. The other provisions are in the Companies Act 2006. The 2006 Act codified for the first time directors' duties, including Section 172, which is a duty to act in the best interests of the company. Now, Section 172, subsection 3, has got a real sting because it tells directors that where they consider the company has financial pressure, their overriding obligation is to consider the interests of the creditors of the company. If you as a director consider that you have got a company which is facing financial difficulties and you continue to trade, you may be guilty of wrongful trading. You are potentially personally liable to account to the company for the losses which have been incurred during that period when you could have and should have taken action, but you didn't. And I would say, acting for insolvency practitioners, about 60% of the cases I'm working on at the moment are actions against directors for breach of those duties. So please don't think as a director of a company that you are somehow bulletproof. Personally, you're not. You're very, very much in the line of fire. And therefore, the quicker you can act, the better, because it gives you a greater opportunity to secure a better outcome for the company. But it also protects you because it shows that when you were aware there was a problem, you took expert professional advice. And as a result of that, it's very hard for somebody to come after you down the line and say that you were negligent in the way that you approached your duties. Great advice there, Paul. Thank you. And I, I sense something that a lot of directors are probably unaware of, the exact nature of their duties in particular when things are getting tough financially and that flipping of so the onus being on the directors to consider the, the interests of their creditors rather than their shareholders and stakeholders. 
Paul, that's been a really, really interesting discussion. Some great ideas coming out of it and some great advice. We always like to finish with some top tips for our listeners. So uh, thinking about what we've talked about today, could you give your top three tips for businesses that are either struggling to get paid or themselves are in financial difficulty? If you're a director, adopt the mindset that it's not the company's money, it's my money. What would I do if this person owed me money? Act quickly. The quicker you act, the better the outcome. And be mindful of business relationships. They are double-edged swords. And don't get lulled into that very dangerous place, which is thinking that I've got blue chip clients. They're too big to fail. Big companies go bust. If you are looking at your client base and it's top heavy with big companies, diversify. Diversify and dilute the risk. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Paul. I've really enjoyed our chat. Thanks, Ed. It's been an absolute pleasure. That brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our discussion today, you can subscribe to our monthly TLD talks covering a wide range of legal and management topics. You'll find details on our website, thelegaldirector.co.uk. And you can also find us on Apple, Spotify and Google. If you'd like to know more about credit control and debt collection, insolvency matters or the wider work of the legal director, then do please give us a call on 020-3053-8613 or visit our website.